0: Welcome to the CCUPC Cutting Room Floor, where we try to connect Sunday to the weekday. I'm Pastor James.
1: And I'm Pastor Dina.
0: And this week we're taking a deeper dive into Genesis 18, where Abraham receives three strange visitors. Uh, We discussed how this passage teaches us about God's faithfulness, whether or not I can say that or not. (laughs) But it's a passage about God's faithfulness uh, in his own timing and in his own ways. Um, Pastor Dina, you know, how did this passage strike you when you heard it? What were the things that it brought up for you? What were the things in the sermon that that either you thought hit the nail on the head or or needed some further clarification? Uh, what were your what were your big takeaways?
1: I think the biggest takeaway or the biggest thing that I've been pondering was your opening question how long do you wait for someone to fulfill a promise? because it I mean it's hard to wait, we know and I think, We kind of often read this passage wagging our fingers a little bit about at abraham (laughs) and sarah saying see you know god came through you should have just trusted but
0: i tried very carefully not to not to wag my finger and
1: and i think i think maybe i didn't do a great job of not doing that in the children's sermon as i drew out that that sarah laughed um but
0: in fairness, it was a pretty derisive laugh. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And and that's what I wanted to get, get across that, that she thought, no way. Nope. Not going to happen. You know, yeah. I know how these things work and this is not it. Yeah. Um,
0: Without explaining yeah, this to six year olds, yeah. I know how it
1: works. Yeah. Please don't ask me how it works. Please don't ask me how it works. <laughs> Go talk um, to your parents. Yeah. um, But as we wait, as our, as our lives of faith unfold now, as we think about those prayers that have been on our list for years and decades, how long do you wait? How do you discern what's more waiting and what's a no or a different path or, um, you know, not God's will throughout the rest of scripture. We continually as talk about as we pray discerning God's will. It just struck me how hard that is to, Figure out when to keep waiting, when to say this isn't the direction God's leading me and and how all that that sorts out in our lives as as we deal with with real and hard things, as you mentioned, people that we desperately want to come to faith or things that we desperately want to happen,
0: um, <laughs> situations we desperately want to resolve,
1: yeah, yeah, relationships that we want to see mended or see formed you know i i think a uh, uh, you know uh, of people that want to be parents and or people that want to be in a romantic relationship and get married mm, yeah and and how do you discern when when the answer is no versus just keep waiting and it will happen because i think especially in some of those situations in some ways, the church has kind of said, "Just be patient and and everything will work out in one way or another and that's not that's not actually true do you
0: do you think that do you think that we have cultural pressures like you know the messages that that we can have at all the, the yeah do you think those exacerbate and and go ahead
1: yeah, yes, I mean my first response is. Yes, we've been told, you know, the world definitely reinforces that idea of just work hard enough, just be patient enough, and it'll come to you, that that work ethic, that lifting up patience, lifting up that these are the, the norms that we should strive for, and everything else is less than, you know, if you don't, if you're not happily married with 2.5 kids Mm. then you're fine as a single person or you're fine as a childless couple but mm, there might be something wrong with you too or or you haven't waited long enough or or any number of other things so yeah i definitely think the world reinforces that idea
0: You, you make me think of of um someone that I know that is, is highly successful, um, who she has had a career on Wall Street and, and, and so on. But uh, throughout the, the, throughout her, her days, she has dealt with anxiety and, uh, weight issues and, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, and it's taken longer than, than she imagined for her life. And she was very kind of public about that in her, in her struggles with that. And it, so you were reminding me of that and, 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 there are a number of pressures on kids to and just people in general Mm -hmm. to perform um and be successful in however that's that's defined
1: yeah even as we think about young people who are graduating college and then looking for jobs in their field they've been told for all of high school and all of college if not even before that if you just work hard enough then then you'll, you'll get the job of your dreams and you'll make good money and it'll be, it'll be great. And especially with more and more people not able to do that, either not able to find a job that they feel called to or having a job that they feel called to, but not able to support themselves on that. And so that not being an option. Again, as we think about this, this idea of waiting and trusting and what's a no and what's going in a different direction and what's just hanging there a little bit longer. I think, I think it's hard. And I think if as a church, as the church, if we don't acknowledge that it's hard, we subtly shame people. And I know that word is pretty loaded these days, like so yeah. many, yeah. but, but we kind of reinforce that idea that if your dreams aren't coming true, if what you thought God had planned for you is not coming true then then maybe you're not faithful enough, or maybe there's something wrong with you, or um, maybe you don't want it bad enough, maybe you're not faithful enough. all these things that that alienate us from god
0: so you're, you, so I guess that brings up the question then, so as we look at this passage as we as we look at Abraham and Sarah and we look at the, how long they waited. For mm-hmm. Isaac, as we look at the fact that they did try to take things into their own hands, um, you know, what do we learn from their example? And then what do we, how can we as the people of God do more than simply say, just be patient? Because I don't know that that's working. And I don't know that it's helpful.
1: Yeah. I think, I th- and, and as we connect back to our discussions about suffering and and those kinds of things. I think part of it is just acknowledging that the not knowing is hard. That waiting is hard. the being unsure if your prayers will be answered is hard. It, especially, I think especially as we think about people in our lives who we desperately want to come to know Christ. Or want to be released from an addiction. Or want to stop being so overwhelmingly troubled by their mental health concerns and um i think i think it's important to knowledge to acknowledge that those are hard things to wait for Mm. and to pray for and to trust god with because our our desire is to make it all right and to make it happen now how many parents you you hear that say you know if i could if i could take this pain away from my child i wouldn't a heartbeat yeah yeah, and sure. I mean, and that's with little things like not making the varsity team and also self-harm and, yeah. and end of life kind of ideations. So, you know, that that instinct for the people we love to make it right, to make it better um, is is hard to it's hard to wait for. It's hard to trust God with that as we watch people around us struggle
0: So that's a good word. I hear the follow-up question then. If we're not fixing, what are we doing?
1: That's a good question. (laughs) Um, I think, I mean, I think we're going to passages like this. We're going to passages in the Psalms where, where there was obvious waiting and not immediate prayers, not immediately answered prayers. I think we're we're discerning together in relationship. I think that's where I think in the not making it happen, we lean heavily into the relationships we have Mm. as Christians to help us carry those burdens together and to, to pray alongside and, and not just pray for the situation, but, but pray for the prayer too. like pray for the person who wants this desperately that they might, be able to discern God's will that they might have a a sense of peace, even in the waiting and the the struggle.
0: I think it's a good reminder that, that so often, you know, prayer is not about us trying to change God's mind, but Mm -hmm. about God trying to change our minds. Yeah. Um, because you know, we are the ones without the, the clarity of vision in, in life, you know, that we, we can't see, we can't see past our noses in a lot of situations. Um, whereas God is able to see far more than, than we understand. Mm-hmm. And so I think it helps to recognize that, that we are to put ourselves in a position before God that allows God to act, um, in his own timing, mm-hmm. in his own ways. And I, you know, that's one of the lessons here. Um,
1: yeah. And in the midst of that, I think part of our call, and I know we've talked about this before too, is is rehearsing the ways that God has been faithful in the past and mm-hmm. you mentioned that as we look for answers to prayers that maybe we weren't even, didn't even know we were praying but even the ones that we did know we were praying you know we remind ourselves of God's faithfulness we remind ourselves of God, of God's presence even in the terrible things and i think the old testament particularly is great at that because it showed how even when israel lost their minds and fell apart and were completely unfaithful. God was with them. <laughs> Even when the enemies were bearing down all around them and, and awful things were happening, God was with them. And to me, that gives me courage that nothing could be so bad that God will not endure it with me. And and that doesn't mean that that I won't encounter difficulties. It doesn't mean that I won't encounter stress and heartbreak and you know, loss and all those things, but the promise isn't that those things will won't happen or that it will all be okay. The promise is that God is with me and will continue to sustain me through that.
0: Mm. Mm. That's uh, that's a good word. Um, and as I say, think about this, you know, you're talking about, um, you've talked a couple of times about discernment in community.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, And that seems like a a lost art. And, and, you know, I didn't have a lot of time to discern, to uh, not discern, I didn't have a lot of time to discuss it in the sermon. Um, But, you know, that's, I think that's one of the things that, that we have to talk about a little bit more is how do we actually discern this, do community discernment? I mean, what are the characteristic qualities that lend itself to good community discernment? What does that look like? How does that feel? What does it, you know, what does it do for us
1: I think I think it doesn't look all that different than the qualities of a disciple as well you know being faithful being available teachable that 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 discernment together is just is a seeking to do those things in community mm. with one another being faithful and being available which in this case as we're talking about prayers and promises and waiting for God, you know, being available even when the answer is wait or not yet or no, mm-hmm. which is, is really hard to do because our, our first instinct often when things don't go the way that we want them to when when bad things happen is to say, well, then I guess you weren't really there anyway, God, see you later, <laughs> slams the door, yeah. you know, um, but but that idea of being available even when... When things are hard. Uh,
0: that's a, a great way to bring it up. I mentioned before we hit the record button, we didn't get a lot of chance to talk before mm-hmm. we hit the record button this time. But I, growing up, I was a person who, who dealt with a lot of doubt. And mm-hmm. so, like, I wanted very, very clear tests in my life about the presence of God mm. um, to try to nail down certainty. Yeah. Um, like, I like a lot of certainty in my life. I want to know that things are going to be the way that they're going to be. Yeah, um, And so that, that gets to be difficult. Um, it can also be a lonesome enterprise and, and you brought out the relational aspect, not just the discipleship aspect, mm-hmm. but that's, that's great. We do need to remain available. And that's, that's part of what, when we get into that questioning mode and when we get into that hyper specific mode, we can become not available to to the presence of god in our life Mm -hmm. it's the the old apocryphal story where god i prayed for you to rescue me in in a a flood and and you know someone drives up in a boat and says can i give you a ride and you know
1: no i'll wait for god thank you yeah exactly
0: that uh, and so you know we can close ourselves off to seeing what god is doing around us but as well then we can close ourselves off to the relationships mm-hmm. and to people around us speaking into our lives, which that's hard because it releases a little bit of control mm-hmm. from your life. Um, and I can't imagine that um, I can't imagine that uh, uh, Sarah was terribly happy about uh, losing a little bit of control over herself for the next yeah. nine months.
1: Yeah. And then the next eighteen years, exactly. But, but yeah, as we think about relationships too, I've been I've been listening to a book. I mentioned the a different one by the same author. I think a few podcasts ago, but this is the name of the book is called Untangled, and it's talking about the life of adolescent girls, their mental health, and um, the the part of the book I'm currently listening to is this idea of people teens teen girls specifically needing a place to pass their anxiety off to Mm. needing a place to pass their overwhelmingly big emotions and reactions to someone and and in the book it's kind of the context of I was upset and now I'm now you're upset so I'm feeling better you know I've kind of passed (laughs) this off but but I think I've been thinking about what that means in in community and being able to pass off our anxiety and our care and our, our our deep fears, verbalizing it, sharing it with someone else, suddenly kind of deflates it a little bit. You mm. know, that, that things always seem bigger and more powerful inside than when they're on the outside. That once we speak them, once we know someone else is praying along with us about this loved one who's battling addiction or what our, our deepest longings are, I think there's peace in that. There's, there's joy in that. Um, we're not told a lot about Abraham and Sarah's family as they, mm. w- as they wait for this promise and work out this promise and then find out how the promise is coming to be. But I think it'd be fascinating to know how, how Sarah's friends reacted when she said oh by the way i'm pregnant you know? <laughs> what
0: wait what yeah how, how does say that again hmm? how, how? yeah like i know how it happens but how did it happen yeah
1: oh you mean your servant is pregnant no no okay <laughs> you know um
0: someone in your family
1: yeah How? <laughs> <laughs> so
0: we, we could play this one out for quite a while yeah yeah and, and um that's, and that's, I think what you're bringing out is a very healthy emotional system. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to acknowledge the reality of this, that there are unhealthy emotional systems oh, where yeah. when we unload our anxiety, it actually multiplies the anxiety. Because what you're talking about is a system in which you can go in and people can hold your anxiety yeah. and it dissipates.
1: Yes. In, and, and in the best case, that that is true. However, you know, even in this book, it definitely brings out the point that someone is still holding the anxiety, you know, that, right. Um, that even if you've released it now, now the parent or the, the friend or someone is left holding this. She uses the phrase hot potato, (laughs) this (laughs) hot potato of anxiety.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and for, and that's why in a, in a good emotionally healthy system, that's a person who can receive it and who can hold it without Mm -hmm. being, without becoming anxious themselves and say, okay, I acknowledge that this is your, your anxiety. I'm, you know, I'm concerned about it, but can have a little bit of a critical distance on it as well. Acknowledge and be empathetic and compassionate in Mm -hmm. that moment. I think what we have experienced too many times in churches is the unhealthy anxiety where one person has anxiety and goes around and generates anxiety amongst the system. And then by the time that one person is done the system's in disarray,
1: yeah, I forget who used the image of a a mobile, and you know that churches are mobiles with different tiers and different mm. different branches off them and then you know if you if if one piece starts swinging, the whole the whole thing is shifting around a little bit, and the more the one piece swings, the more everything else gets tossed into a tizzy. It was a helpful it was a helpful image for me to think about when when anxiety is introduced into a system, what that does yeah, to it, everyone. It and,
0: does touch everyone.
1: And as we think about Abraham and Sarah and these promises, of course they wanted to make it happen themselves. They're holding this anxiety of we have this promise, we don't know how it's gonna happen. Time is running out, our bodies are running out how are we going to make this th- this happen? Because we desperately want it, and we and we trust that God is going to do incredible things. I mean, more offspring than the stars in the sky. That's not a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, know, exactly. You know, do, do we have to have all these kids? Are they you know? How many generations is it going to take to get there? Who knows? <laughs> um, I'm already ninety. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm already tired. <laughs> um, so. I forgot what, I forgot where I was with that. Other than, than this idea of, of, of course. There's anxiety Of course in she this. La- laughed. I mean, of course this is unbelievable. And yet how do we learn? Because again, as we said, it, it was a der- derisive laugh. It was not a delighted. Oh, was, this is going to be not great. Giddy. Yeah. This was like, thank you. No, <laughs> like yeah. not going to do that kind of laugh, this isn't the way it's going to happen, kind of laugh. So how do we put ourselves in in a posture of being open to where God is leading, even when God's ways are not our ways and God's timing is not our timing? And, you know, we've talked a lot about waiting, but that can happen when things happen sooner than we expected as well. So just acknowledging that God's timing is so vastly different from our own in so many ways. It's, it's hard. It's hard to live in that tension, I think.
0: For sure. And, and just to clarify, if there, are, if there are young ears around, you might want to clasp your hands over their ears for just a second. <laughs> uh, we make no promises on this podcast. But to, to clarify, not only do they understand that their bodies are old, but the indication in verse 12, and we talked about this actually in Sunday school, um, you know, Sarah says, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure. She's not referring to childbearing. Oh. That is a direct statement about they haven't even had sexual pleasure. Oh wow. So like th- there's more than just the 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 biology that's at yeah. play here. And so we want to acknowledge that that this is, you know, there are multiple reasons why this is not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, we focus on the on the biology because to us that's the that's the big deal. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. You know that's the oh you're old you know you you can't do this now um but there was more at play there um and so um we want to recognize that and and understand that that um that the bible is real about these issues you know sarah is is, you know in some ways her uh (laughs) even being past the age of childbearing you know isn't even the 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 only issue, you know, she's talking Mm -hmm. about more than that.
1: Yeah. So,
0: uh, you can unclasp ears now (laughs) if you, if you need to. But so what are, um, you know, as we talk about discernment, as we talk about community discernment, and as we talk about that, that's one of the ways that, that we understand the will of God, what have been the, the guideposts for you? What have been the indicators in times that you've been in discernment that have Pointed you towards the will of God and then reinforced those things?
1: I think it's been different in different seasons. I I remember specifically my call to ministry, which began probably around my junior year of high school in, in Wow. Yeah. So so for a while. Very early on. Um and then unbeknownst to me, going to a college that was not. Terribly supportive of women in ministry, and and kind of working working that out through through four years of college, and and thinking, well, when I graduate college, I'll just get a job as a youth director or or something, and and you know wait down the line and see about seminary. And then my senior year of college, all of a sudden, really that summer before my senior year, thought. Oh no, wait, maybe, maybe now is the time Hmm. to go to seminary. And I remember praying like, I think this is where you're leading me, God. I think this is what you want me to do. So if not, please make it abundantly clear, you know, and I prayed that through the, the admissions process and, and, and I got in and not only did I get in, but, but I got a pretty good financial package that included Hmm. a rent rebate and book rebate and, and so I kind of, I really asked God, like, please put road, like, if this isn't the direction that I'm going, close the road, make it so that, that I know without a doubt to go into a different direction.
0: Who was, who was around you in the, in that period and how did they help you to kind of tease that out and, and verify we, we see this too?
1: Um... Early on, it was it was the people in my church, um, the pastor that that was leading the youth group, and who I you know I had the ba- both pastors who were there, really. Um, but the one who was leading the youth group, of course, more. I had some some conversations and and youth leaders, um, Sunday school teachers, longtime family friends that had been my Sunday school teachers and and such, and then it. College was a lot harder because, again, the most of the professors were of the opinion that women should not be ordained ministers. And and as I felt a call to this direction, they were not, again, a loaded word, they were not safe people to go to. Yeah,
0: they weren't supportive um, of the idea because it was outside of their
1: Yeah, and even many of categories. my friends, they never... They never said I shouldn't do this, but, but even many of my friends weren't real sure about women in ministry. So, so I would say college was a much lonelier time. Um, through, the, through the mission conference, I did get affirmations and, and were, was able to see women leading well and, and had people who, again, who I had kind of grown up with, who I served alongside in different programs affirm gifts in me and and take time to allow me to lead there, which I think is, you know, part of how I ended up where I am today in relationship to that Mm. organization. So there were glimpses, but I I would say that my college years of discerning were kind of lonely. Um, I did end up connecting with a very good friend, especially in our senior year of college, and then we both ended up going to seminary together. And so having that, again, in that community, that shared experience, the shared prayers, the shared, well, you know, we were told this and taught this, but what do you think? Are there other ways to look at it? Are there other connections? And then in seminary, of course, is a discerning time as well. Yes. That relationship yeah. and some others developed, which was helpful.
0: Wow. Okay. So like uh, junior year of high school to end of college that's kind of five yeah if not six years ish yeah um and were there times where you thought about uh, you kind of indicated this were there times that you came seriously close to saying nope
1: yeah yeah or that i thought maybe there's another way for me to serve i mean the the joke in college was kind of like well women can teach the the kids who are under 12 and mm. the women you know so i i thought is there is that the way I'm being led? In which case, seminary would have not probably been my first choice. I mean, it's a lot of money. Grad school is hard. Yeah, to yeah. to teach a Sunday school class. Um, yeah. So yeah, there were there were moments when I definitely thought maybe this isn't where God is is calling me, which I think was the the root of the prayer. Like, all right. Think you're calling me this way, but I'm not sure. So I'm gonna need some real clear signs right now, God.
0: <laughs> wow, and here you are now, still seventeenth yeah. uh, yeah. year in ministry, and yeah, uh, uh, and about eleventh in ordained ministry, twelfth, thirteenth,
1: twenty
0: ten. Okay, so thirteen.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, yeah, and now, of course, looking back you can see all the signs and all of the the direction and all of the leading but i'd be lying to say that you that i could see those at the time sure sure so
0: sure wow that's it's good to get your story on that yeah. and, and and to see how that is because i mean we i mean discernment is such a difficult process mm-hmm. it's it's not a scientific um, experiment it's mm-hmm. it's not something that you go and you repeat in one you know, it, life, it's it, like our life experiences, they don't always happen the same way every time. Yeah. Um, and so it's good to hear people's stories so that, that um, we all can, can glean from that and say, oh, okay, um, so I've been, you know, I've been trying to figure this out on my own, so you're saying I shouldn't try to do it on my own? I'm mm-hmm. like, no, no, you shouldn't do it on your own. We should be connected in this way. That's the relationship part of relationship, discipleship, and worship.
1: Yeah, and I had mentioned before we hit record, we are not given a whole lot of Abraham and Sarah's internal, yeah, struggle and and discernment and like we don't know what all went into the decision to bring Hagar into the picture and and that sort of thing, which was pretty normal at the time. Yes,
0: I think I think I referred to it as the the ancient fertility clinic. Yeah, that, I mean that really was their answer,
1: and. I think we do ourselves a disservice, too, when we think that waiting or discernment is linear, too, because it's I'm sure I'm not. I'm sure I'm not. Mm. Is this? It is. But wait, maybe not. Um, and, And I think as we talk about specifically about calls to ministry, even even after graduating from seminary, even after ordination there's still been moments where I'm like are you sure god is this really (laughs) like is this really where i'm supposed to be right now and again you know i kind of default to that i'm gonna need you make it real clear how i'm supposed to where i'm supposed to go in this moment do i go in this direction do i go in that direction do i stay facing the direction i'm going i'm gonna need to make i'm gonna need you to make it abundantly clear because i can't figure this out on my own
0: yeah yeah. I, I think I had mentioned to you probably yesterday, um, I've, I've started, uh, reading through Jeremiah mm-hmm. and, you know, one of the first things that happen is God gives this powerful call to Jeremiah and his response is I'm too young.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: and God is, God basically says,
1: uh,
0: I don't care. Yeah. I, I'm going to be the one that puts the words in your mouth. You're going to make nations rise and fall and so on and so forth. Uh, and if, and if you don't, uh, make the the nations terrified before me. I will make you terrified before them. I'm like, mm-hmm. ooh, <laughs> okay. That's a that's a pretty that's a bold statement there. Yeah, um, yeah. And the fact that that God really does um, work, and and it's not easy. Of course, Jeremiah was the weeping prophet, mm-hmm. um, as he saw the collapse of Judah. I
1: affectionately refer to him as the whiny prophet. But uh,
0: yeah, kind <laughs> of the Hamlet of the prophets. Yeah. You know, if you've ever read Hamlet, Hamlet's kind of whiny. <laughs> um he's the luke skywalker of <laughs> but ben uh, I
1: don't want to go
0: <laughs> you're not my father anyway um but but jeremiah goes and and he preaches you know i i was questioning myself why would you raise up a prophet to a people who are about to be destroyed and exiled mm-hmm. who aren't going to listen to him yeah you know that do you God, do you know what you must have done to Jeremiah's mental health to, to be preaching and to be prophesying and to be saying, come back to the Lord, knowing that they're not going to do it and that, that, you know, Assyria is coming from the north. Yeah. Um,
1: and I guess that's kind of what I mean, that that discernment isn't linear, that even after Jeremiah accepted his call to be a prophet, I'm, I mean, we, we have recorded, there are still moments when he was like, what in the world? Even in abraham and sarah's story we have this beloved child promised and now the promise is delivered and then in not that many chapters later abraham is going to be asked to sacrifice him and, yes you know we know how the story turns out but can you imagine like this is the child you promised god why are you sure is this
0: well and even the language in that pa- in that passage god isn't like please take isaac he said take isaac your son, your only son, yeah, and you're going. That's just cruel, yeah, because he repeats it a number of times, yeah,
1: yeah. That is, I mean, that's always been a hard passage for me because I do not like the God that it portrays. Uh,
0: but I mentioned to you before we hit record. A. W. Tozer talks about that. We're we're not actually going to talk about that story in the narrative lectionary, mm-hmm. so I don't mind. Um
1: spoiler alert <laughs> spoiler
0: is yeah commenting on it a little bit but tozer talked about the fact that because this was the child of promise I mean imagine that that promise coming true and how much you would have treasured that mm-hmm. um, and and even if the promise is something that's that's non-human you'd probably treasure it quite greatly but the fact that Isaac is a is a is a baby boy and this child of promise that that was a child of miraculous circumstance Mm -hmm. must have occupied, you know, the central place in Abraham's heart. And so uh, Tozer contends that what God wanted was not to kill the child, but to remove him from the altar of, of Abraham's heart.
1: Yeah. Which is hard. And again, back to that, that original idea of, of waiting for God and, and growing in our faith and having, you know, being, being shaped and molded, and and giving up our idolatrous desires, which so many of the things that we have mentioned can become. Being, being in a mar- in a marriage relationship or in a relationship, having yeah. children, in you know, and the the ideal family, going, to, getting into the best college, getting the best job, that we all we have to take. We have to make sure that in seeking God's will in our discernment that we are, we are open to what God has for us, even if it, it breaks our heart a little bit and is not what we had originally envisioned for our lives.
0: It would be very easy to worship the, the promise mm-hmm. rather than the promise giver. Yeah. Um, which is, which is the, the older son and younger son problem in, in Luke, they both worship they both want what the what the father has to offer rather than loving the father themselves mm-hmm. um, and so what you end up with is one son trying to get the father's things by being very, very bad mm-hmm. and one son trying to get the father's things by being very, very good. yeah neither one of them loving the father himself.
1: yeah, and you did draw out at the end of the end of your sermon that Humility and repentance needs to be a part of this whole process in that we need to be willing to say to others and especially to God, I thought this was the way forward, but it's not. Help me figure out where to go now.
0: I think we have a lot of fear about, Mm -hmm. especially the older we get, I think we have more fear about messing that up Mm -hmm. because we don't want to look a fool. Yeah. And we don't want to look like we don't have it all together. But all that does is deceive ourselves and, and, and rob ourselves of what God actually wants for our lives, Mm -hmm. which really in the process of discernment in the process of, of knowing God's will, we get to know God better. Yeah. And, and so we're, we're robbing ourselves of the opportunity to work with the one who has called and redeemed us. And that's, I, I mean, that's, that's the reframe on that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just, oh, I messed up with someone. I missed the opportunity to partner with the living God.
1: Yeah. And and that's where we lean so heavily on Christ and that idea that even though I messed up, it's not going to keep God away from me. That that because of the work done by Jesus on the cross, I have another chance and I, I can make it right starting now and I can't ever mess it up so bad that God won't forgive me and welcome me back through the grace of Christ,
0: which is why we can, you know, bring up the, 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 the obstacles to faith again. That's why we can work on those things and go in humility is because one, it will draw us closer to God, but two, it will draw others closer to God. Mm -hmm. And if, if that's really what we desire as a church um, and, and almost like Jesus looking at the, the cripple next to the pool of Salome and saying, do you really want to become well? Mm-hmm. I think we have to look at ourselves as well and hear Christ's voice saying, do you really want to become well as the church mm-hmm. and answer that honestly, because it would upend the Everything. way that, yeah, the way that we have done things and the, the systems and the organizations and the norms that and we the have values and the values that we have constructed for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the because the gospel does upend everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and turns everything that we thought was ideal or the way to do things on its head. Even even like the the story of the prodigal. You know, it's the radical grace of the father that's the example, not the mm-hmm. not the son that repents and comes back, not the the son that did everything right in the first place, but it's it's this radical grace of the father, which on the surface seems foolish and dumb
0: yeah and and um you know prodigal has two opposite meanings mm-hmm. prodigal can mean wayward, but prodigal can also mean um recklessly lavish, mm. and so the father was prodigal too yeah. He was recklessly lavish with his love for his sons, um, and it cost him. Yeah, but he was willing to pay that price.
1: Yeah, and I think, and I think that's a part of discernment too: being willing to let go, being willing to let the answer to God's prayer cost you something. And and again, we see it with Abraham and Sarah; it costs her something to have a child that she was responsible for at the age that she was it 90 it, it yeah crazy <laughs> um it costs something to to trust god it costs something to to answer yes i want to be well when yeah when our whole identity is bound up in who we've been for this many years yeah and and it's hard work it's hard work to to admit that we've gone in the wrong direction and need to change but need to leave behind all that that old direction meant for us too
0: yeah and what you take is the spiritually healthy people around you so that you know that's that's where you find the discernment and the Mm -hmm. and the direction for the next steps yeah okay if these these old impersonal things are not giving me direction anymore then i actually need to rely on the the community discernment yeah just a hard thing to do, yeah. like you said. I, like that—that yeah. that does not sound like a good time to me. I, I'm a—I'm a, I'm a Myers Briggs uh, INTJ. I want <laughs> things wrapped up nicely.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I—I—I I, I do too. It's—it's it's hard. It's hard to acknowledge. You used the the great example of of God being an author that sees the whole book, mm. a, as we're living the pages. It's hard to acknowledge that we're not the author. It's hard to acknowledge that we don't know the end of the story. And and like any good book, it's going to twist and turn yeah, in ways that we can't even imagine for better and for worse.
0: Yeah. Snape being a good guy? Who saw that coming?
1: <laughs> Yeah, true. So, and I guess as I reflect over the whole sermon and the whole passage, again, just how hard it is to wait and to trust and to rest in in god's promises Mm. without trying to make it happen or force god's hand or or be so discouraged that we we walk away
0: disengage yeah
1: um you know we would in some ways we wouldn't have blamed abraham and sarah if after ishmael and after they realized that he wasn't the child of promise if they would have just Thrown up their hands and said, all right, God, find someone else, find someone 60 years younger. Right. I'm out. Um, we wouldn't have, I mean, like all Bible characters, we would perhaps partially think we could have done it better, but really, no, we wouldn't blame them at all. We, nope. we would probably do the exact same thing if not, if, if we had even remained faithful that long.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm not sure a lot of us would have gotten through Abraham's call. Leave your family, your people, yeah. your your nation. Yeah. Um, and and go to a land I will show you. Not yeah. even like, hey, we're headed to Jersey. Yeah. Like, well, maybe none of us would have gone then. <laughs> Sorry, Jersey. Hey, no. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, yeah, but not even a, a clear direction as to where they were to go. So yeah. lots of faithfulness, lots of discernment. Lots of threading the needle on how involved are we in the mm-hmm. will of God. Uh, obviously, we have some. We're not disengaged, but we're not in control. Mm-hmm. We we are engaged, but not in control. Yeah, which is which is a hard hard place to be.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So, any final thoughts you have there, Pastor Dina?
1: No, nope, I think that's. I think that covers it. Yeah, I think I I think again, like any passage there's so much more in the in the details and the meanings and the names and that sort of thing, but yes, as and, we and I had data on that. Yeah, as we I think I think it's good for us, especially our church right now to spend more time thinking about what is this passage teaching us than than focusing on the fun details and they are fun and they aren't, they do add a a depth, but it feels like in the discernment time that we are in as a church, as we figure out how now to live into this new mission statement that we've adopted that, that to take that larger view of what does this mean to me now is, is where God is asking us to spend our time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you. Um, Just the nerd in me Mm
1: -hmm. that wants to say more. Oh, yeah. It's super fun.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, if you have found this episode helpful, would you leave a rating and review and share it so that others can discover it more easily? You know, one of the easiest ways that you can share the hope of Christ is by sharing this word and then talking to someone about it. Um, and talking about how God has made a difference in your life. So uh, consider this as a tool that you can use, and go ahead and, and hit that share button wherever you get your podcast. Also, click, click the subscribe button wherever you get your podcast. That way, whenever new episodes drop, you're able to get those and follow along. Uh, we really appreciate uh, the support that you have given to this podcast and, the, and that we can do it week after week. But until next time, I'm Pastor James.
1: And I'm Pastor Dina.
0: And we hope that this helps you connect Sunday to the weekday.